0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create.
1: These ideas come from Rebecca's best selling book, Rhythms of Renewal Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm.
0: Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And it's Father's Day week.
1: It is. I, I had a good Father's Day. You did. I love Father's Day. It's 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 the one day of the year where I feel like, you know, I can kind of set the schedule a little bit. The yeah, agenda. You, you have a say. Everybody's <laughs> catering to me. I mean, it's not like normal life, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> Father's Day and your birthday, Gabe. Those are the two days you that's get. Right.
1: No. That's right.
0: What was your favorite gift?
1: I have to say my cowboy hat. Yes. So I've been wanting this Kind of felt cowboy hat. Yes, As many of you know we we love going out to Lost Valley. We host our retreat out there. But every time I go, and we're riding horses,
0: you're always wearing a baseball cap.
1: Yeah, and the Wranglers have their hats, and and they're so cool. It looks awesome. They look know? like and then. Of course, like there's Kevin studs. Costner in Yellowstone. I, I know mean, <laughs> his hats amazing. So it's
0: like a hat and a vest. You're just so, going for that look.
1: So you. Did yes. do a great job well, this year. And it got was me a hard, de- his hat. It's
0: hard decision. There's a lot of hats out there, but it's there's not, not a lot that look good on your hat. They don't <laughs>
1: all look good. No, I'm not used to cowboy hats. That's not my style, no. but this one was great. I and love it. Uh, mm-hmm. the kids did well. Mm-hmm. Got me my uh, water. <laughs> Thing I've been wanting that like, sixty four ounces of water I can carry around. So when I you drink get old, you ask
0: for thing like socks. Yeah, the kids
1: are just dying laughing. Like, Dad, seriously, compression socks and water, a water jug. It's
0: like a gallon holds a gallon. So this is what Gabe got for Father's Day. He well, got I'm reading this book. A hat, by the way, a cowboy hat. He got yeah. compression socks to his knees. So well, I'm, that
1: he, I'm reading this book called Younger Next Year that one of my mentors gave me. That's basically all about as you're getting old, how do you continue to work out in a way that regenerate your cell structures right. and your muscles and so the kids instead have just of hurting been, yourself. They've just been making fun of me constantly that I'm reading about working out, but I'm not working out as much as they are. So <laughs> anyway, Father's Day's just kind of been funny yeah, this year. Yes. But Father's Day is so important this week because we're launching our summer series. Series
0: on parenting. And
1: it's presented by Awana, who yep. we've partnered with in order to bring you several episodes focused around parenting fatherhood, motherhood, all the stuff that we're all thinking about this summer.
0: Yeah, because we know you're home with your kids. And the summer always looks different if you have a lot of kids or one kid. It just looks different. Um, And so because we know that everyone's together more and you're juggling schedules and you're hopefully playing more and having a little flex time, maybe vacation, we wanted to give you some tools this summer right when you were in the thick of it. And so we were so excited about doing a summer series on parenting. And because it's Father's Day week, we thought it would just be perfect to launch this with our special guest today, which you are going to love, love, love yeah. this conversation.
1: Michael W. Smith. So many of you have heard that name, You, if you're like Rebecca and I. Grew up listening to the music. We talked to him a little bit about some of our favorite songs. I remember for me, I wasn't really allowed to listen to Michael W. Smith. That was a little, it was a little it was too
0: rocky. Too for much your...
1: pop going, too much beat.
0: Well, I, and, and I, I, I was I mean, the same, but I always listened to them when I was driving because I got my driver's license at sixteen. Yeah, we were so
1: rebellious, we listening w- to yeah because contemporary. If Christian it had music. too
0: much of a beat in our church growing up, that was like not sure they weren't sure yeah. about that. So i never forget driving my baby sister, Sarah, in the song we called Dancing Seatbelt," which was Baby, Baby. And it was like yeah. the only time we could listen to it was when mom and dad weren't around.
1: Yeah, so we're we're going to get into this conversation with Michael W. Smith, who, whose life and career has been amazing. You know, he has 16 grandchildren now. He continues to perform, write, tour. He's shown up everywhere from the White House to Billy Graham's funeral to... So many of these epic moments in our world right now that he's brought in as this trusted voice and I think you're going to understand why when you hear him share.
0: Yeah, and what you're going to be most impressed by, which is what his family is that the faithfulness he carries is is due to humility. Uh, he has all these high high climactic moments in his career, but yet he's a humble guy and that's going to come out so so obvious in this in this conversation. So let's listen in now. Hey Michael, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we both we have to admit. I mean, we've listened to your music since we were very young. Oh, and, yes. and you don't look that old. I mean, no. we feel like we're getting older, but yeah, you don't like little, You look so a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca and I talk often about that. We grew up in Christian homes and so the big picture was the album for mm-hmm. me. 6th wow. grade loved it i still love lamu and and a lot yeah. of people haven't heard that yeah. song or don't really know it oh, but it so going good. through the motions yeah. i mean those those songs for me they were the soundtrack of middle school and
0: can i ask though when friends or friends forever came out do you know
2: Uh, I recorded that in '82. It came out on the very first record, Michael Dobbins' project, in February of '83.
0: '83. Well, it was still going strong when I graduated in '92. (laughs) It's probably still
1: going strong. (laughs) Well, it was, and it
2: was on the Change Your World record too. We re released it. Okay, that, yes. But
1: anyway, we still
0: break out in song with that whenever we're with college friends or old time friends. Just because you can't not, so um, I just thank you for that tribute to friendship <laughs>
1: but but, I know what it's like like the the people the people who are around you most sometimes sometimes appreciate what you've accomplished in the world, but sometimes you know they they don't always have the same perspective. I'm curious how your many children you have five adult children and sixteen grandkids i mean do they do they appreciate your music the way the rest of the world does?
2: I think they do i mean i we just don't make a big deal of me being this you know, celebrity. I'm just dad. I mean, I'm just kind of, I mean, I live a really normal life, pretty normal life, but but it's pretty extraordinary as well. So they're just kind of used to it. This is kind of like, this is what dad does, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, You've been at some pretty significant events and I I believe you were at Billy Graham's funeral and playing music there and singing and honoring him and so many other places on the world stage where God's used you. And, And we've just appreciated watching you from a distance your faithfulness and your faithfulness to show up in any moment at any time to try to just bring uh, what the Spirit of God might be saying in that moment and want to say to the church. And Mm -hmm. so just thank you for your faithfulness in all of that. And a lot of people don't realize that in addition to all the award-winning songs, you've written 14 books. Prolific
0: writer and songwriter.
1: Okay. And the other night, I was reading one of your books to my daughter, who's seven years old, and it was... Bedtime.
0: Oh, she loves it. And
1: she loves yeah, it. Yeah,
0: all your bedtime books um with Lammy and That's right. Um, it's time oh, for yeah. bed. Yeah. She loves them. It's
1: time for bed. Yes. It's great. So everybody listening. Get that. Read it with your your children
0: or your grandchildren. Our mutual friend, Megan Robertson, made sure that I had all your children's books when we did a little book shower because we adopted Joy two and a half years ago from China. And um, she has a Down syndrome diagnosis like her oldest brother, Cade, who's 20. So um, Megan gave me all your children's books. So we read them a lot. We read them all the time. Uh. Trafficking is not okay. Sadly, the reality is that millions of children around the world are sold for sex every night. That's why AIM is doing whatever it takes to change that reality and end the evil of child sex trafficking. I believe that every child is worth fighting for. Will you join me in this fight? I want to invite you to become a part of the next rescue by joining The Village, AIM's community of monthly supporters for $10 a month. Let's be honest. That is not much. That's like giving up a couple lattes and we can do it. The village is full of everyday people who are changing lives by helping bring freedom to the enslaved with whatever they can. Change the world with AIM by going to aimfree.org slash RFL to join the village. Sign up through my link and you'll receive a beautiful reminder of your impact, a freedom bracelet made by a survivor of trafficking who is now free. Again, that's aimfree.org slash RFL to join today.
1: Part of what we're talking about is parenting this summer, and we really want to help the parents understand what it looks like to leave a legacy um, far beyond just these years of of parenting, where parenting can be hard, and it can be grueling at times, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we just have loved your book that you just released called The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God, where you really pay tribute to your father, Paul Smith. And you grew up in West Virginia. And I mean, give people a little bit of a uh, landscape understanding of your early life and who who your father was. Yeah.
2: Well, I grew up in a Christian home, amazing parents, to say the least. Um, my mom was a church secretary. My dad worked at an oil refinery. My dad, I, 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 say, I don't know if I say it in the book, but I say it when I talk about my dad. He was the kindest man I'd ever known to him be my dad. Mm. And he was kind to everybody. His glass was always half full. I don't think I ever heard him yell at me. I did get the belt when I was a kid, when I threw rocks. And <laughs> I, threw I got blood. the belt. I got the belt. Guess what? But a yeah, kindness. You can't even say that these days. It's crazy. <laughs> but I guess what? I never threw rocks again. You know? All I, right. and I, and, uh But no, just a, a great dad. And it, Watching him love my mom, love my sister and I, love his community, love his church, love the homeless. He was big time in the homeless ministry. He was just extraordinary. He just really was amazing. And I saw him laugh and smile every day. Mm. And he was definitely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, my biggest fan. Mm.
0: And how many siblings did you have?
2: I had just one sibling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Kimberly, and she lives in Brentwood. And so okay. she moved, you know, not long after I did, maybe five, six years. And so when my dad was having back issues and had to take early retirement, you know, I just said to mom, that's it. You guess and this is West Virginia. I so said, you got to come. You just got to move here because it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't It didn't take a lot of twisting the arm because they wanted to be with their kids. They wanted to be start being with their grandkids. Right.
1: Now, you made a big decision when you were deciding on your career. And you talk about this where a lot of people may not know that baseball was a real path for you. you. You were a great athlete, and you were thinking about baseball as a pursuit, and instead you chose music. Talk a little bit about that decision and how – your father played into that?
2: Well, my dad was a great ball player. My dad, I'm, I'm, I'm confident beyond a shadow of a doubt. He could have played major league ball. I, I have people talk. I've watched my dad play, but, but still, even in his prime, before I even came along, they, he was just an amazing ball player. So I, I learned it all from my dad. You know what? I was a jock and a musician growing up, and baseball was my sort of first love. And then 15 years of age, I didn't make the All-Stars for the very first time. And, Kind of lost my passion for the game and because this whole me I started writing all these songs. And it's the only second time I ever walked down, down the aisle, 10 years old when I had a revelation that Jesus really was who he said he was. And then 15, I walked down the aisle and told Stan Franklin, my pastor, who baptized me five years earlier. I said, I think God's got to call my life. And I think music is supposed to be a part of it. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know how to get there. Would you lay hands on me and pray for me?
0: At 15.
2: At 15 years old. And I, I knew that was my destiny. I didn't, yeah, I just, and I didn't know we'd know where to start. We got I know I, I i probably need to get out of the Cove, West Virginia. And I either got to go to LA, New York, or Nashville. And um, eventually made my way to Nashville, Tennessee, 1978. Wow. Wow. wow.
0: So when did music really—so you started writing at 15. Were you writing before that, or 15 really? I wrote my worked? first
2: song at five, but you, you, it, yeah. was awful, you know? it was awful. <laughs> do that you I, remember that it, I, though?
0: Do you remember yeah, it? Yeah, just
2: a little bit. But the fact <laughs> that I wrote something, I would write all these songs, and, or I would play Let It Be and Hey you for my mom and dad, and they would just drool. Like, like how'd, how'd you do that? There's no— there's no sheet music in the house. I said, well, I just, I just heard it. I just played Mm it, you know? So I realized at a young age, I could play by ear.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then I just started making up these songs. And so, but definitely a learning curve, you know, I'm not, I don't think I really wrote a really good song until after I moved to Nashville. (laughs) And And how old uh, were
0: you then when you moved to Nashville?
2: I was 20, I was 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. Still so young. Yeah. And so, I think the first song that I got cut was a song called How Majestic Is Your Name by Sandy Patty. Mm-hmm. And then I met this girl named Amy Grant. There you and, go. And <laughs> um, started writing songs for her Age to Age record, and we hit it off. And and all of a sudden, I found myself in the studio doing my first record and yeah. opening up for her from 1982 till 1984. And that's kind of what kicked things off. Yeah, honestly. and you guys
1: are still friends today and still every now and still then. Still great I friends. <laughs> yeah. Perform. Um, that's wonderful. What a great story. I think, you know, for people who don't know some of your story of your own children, give us, give us a little more background. When did you get married? When did you start having children? What was it like for you to try to be a parent as your career was taken off and you were traveling and touring and all the challenges for people listening that have careers and they're trying to balance all this out? How did you guys manage that?
2: Yeah, well, I've got five children and they're amazing. And as you mentioned earlier, 16 grandkids, that's still mind boggling.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Communication's big. It's the big, 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 big word communication. And I remember when this thing started to take off and um, we had just had, um see, I was 83, Whitney was 86. I think it was right after Whitney was born, this whole thing was taken off. And I remember Debbie and I sitting and having a conversation and I think I said something to her going, you know what? There's a good chance we could be a casualty if we don't lay some ground rules down. Mm, wow. And we just said, we're not going to be a casualty. We're just not going to be a casualty. And so we just laid a bunch of ground rules down. I, I, I said that I would, here's one ground rule. I would never be away from my family for more than two weeks ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's
2: great. If I had to cross the Atlantic and go to London, then I would come back and then I, I would go back, but I'm not, I'm not going to be away with my family more than two weeks. And we made that rule. I think it's paid off. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm celebrating 40 years of marriage to Debbie this September, Wow. which is congratulations. I'm
1: so grateful. <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, just communication. And yeah, it was hard, you know, it was just me being, you know, member remember Deb trying to, you know, we got four children and I'm out in L.A. and we'll be on the Jay Leno show and I'm laying out beside the pool. You don't tell your wife those things you know. <laughs> when she's right? home, when you're living it up and everything's cool. And yeah. she's, up, she's just in the grind, you know, so I, I learned a lot. But no, we just we survived. And we and like I said, I think just the the two week rule was big. I remember just for years, for 13 years, I found myself. I would walk off the stage, have a car, take me to the airport get on a plane and land at midnight, get home at 1230 and I'm up at seven fifteen 15 driving carpool. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So mm-hmm. it was expensive. I don't regret any of it. And yeah. I think if you would talk to my kids, I think they would say that they were more important to me than my career. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: what, what a, a great, tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Great testimony. And I think the commitment to get back and, and even, I mean, living in Nashville, like having a stable home environment while you were out doing the things you were doing so you could come back to that and they felt secure. I'm sure helped them a lot with with navigating the travel.
0: Yeah, I think ground r- rules are essential because so often if you don't prematurely make those, right? Like you right. said you already the Holy Spirit gave you insight to go we could absolutely be a casualty, but we're going to preemptively go ahead now and decide what what's most valuable. What what does God care about the most and yeah. and I think that's why we want to focus on parenting this summer, because I think sometimes parenting can get to the point of reacting. We're always trying to doing damage control and putting out fires and and then at that point, you are already depleted and you're overwhelmed in your role that you've been entrusted by God to steward and you kind of feel like you're failing. but getting like backing up a little bit and going, okay, God, obviously gave us these kids because he trusts us and maybe it is ground rule time. maybe we need to go back to the basics and go what is God asking of us and what that looked like for you with sacrifice what did that look like for your wife? what, what were some ground rules she really wanted um, not just for you but for for the family in general because I know women are often the barometer of the home kind of right. able to kind of sense and feel like where the needs are as they arise. How did right. that look for her as she was navigating, raising them with your um with your schedule?
2: Yeah. You know what? I think the big the big thing for I mean there's a lot I could sit here and talk for 30 minutes about some of the things she did. Bible studies and be, praying with our kids was huge. Mm. Listening to Adventures in Odyssey. Can't believe that. That's, that's oh, We that's love that. Oh, yeah. And you know what? And that thing has come back around. And it's crazy. My son, Tyler, is actually scoring the new Adventures in Odyssey. Are you serious? That's, a, that that's the best. And that thing changed all my kids' lives. They still talk about Adventures in Odyssey. But yeah, that and praying with our kids and just creating that environment, you know, where God was the center of everything that we did. Mm. And Hmm. So I think that's the big thing. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was a non-negotiable right there. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't so strict. It wasn't, we weren't strict, strict. We were just, I mean, Debbie's got, she's a godly woman. She's lived it out. You know, you mm-hmm. just walk the walk. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And thankfully all my kids, I mean, not, not that they didn't have some trials and tribulations and man, this is some tough, tough, tough years. They all turned out to be amazing. Mm. And, <laughs> That's and, encouraging. Uh, there's, yes. There's it, it really to is that, because right. it's so much bigger than my career. I mean, it's like, you know, I always say if you're, if your family's good, you're good.
0: Right.
2: Mm. If your family's not good, you're not good. So it's oh, good. And and you know what? I'm sure there's parents out there. You know, you got some prodigals, man. Just keep loving them. Keep praying for them. That's I'm I'm speaking to you all day because of the prayers of my mom and dad, I was a prodigal for four years, almost lost my life to a near drug overdose wow. in
1: 1978.
2: My mom and dad just continue to—they pray on their knees every day, praying for their boy. And I'm convinced it was the prayers of them that saved my life, and that's why I'm here. What Hmm. a
0: word of encouragement, because I do think people who are in the middle of that prodigal season right now can—it's so easy to give way to despair, you know, because what you're seeing right in front of you just feels like it's kind of going down a black hole, and yet I think these words are going to be— Kind of a you know a life preserver for people who listen to this, yeah. Because you know the next generation is really struggling. A lot of kids are really struggling in this season um, with identity, with despair, with depression, anxiety, things that we're we talk about on this podcast often because we really believe that God is for our emotional, spiritual, and relational health, and. Um, I do think um, just that reminder um, of you as a grandpa with 16 grandkids that, like, God has them. Yeah. He has them and He holds them, and that just that surrendered prayer of a parent means so much. Yeah. How old were you Mm -hmm. when you were in that season?
2: 17 to
0: 21. Wow. Okay. What was it? Do you remember the moment that kind of brought you home or brought you back?
2: Tell us about that. I could make a movie about it. (laughs) (laughs) it was dramatic and it was, yeah, it was, um, uh, I knew I was in trouble and I knew that was, that was not my destiny. And I knew that I'm going to die if something doesn't change. And so prayers to my mom and dad. And then I asked God to do whatever he had to do, break my legs, car wreck, just don't kill me. Just, I was in a, I was in this gutter, this big pit with no ladder and I couldn't get out. That's how desperate it was. And what happened to me was I lost my joy. Hmm. And I became depressed. And I uh, hit rock bottom. November 1979, I literally was on my linoleum floor in my kitchen, convulsing, crying, twisting, crying for three and a half hours. At the end, as I just sort of was worn out, my father was laying on the, that floor with me with his arm around me going, I got your back. It's going to be okay. And I haven't been the same since that day. Wow. I, I got, I had a rescue. I got rescued. I was crazy. I mean, crazy. I mean, I probably should have gone to the hospital. I didn't. I got up the next day. I remember going, God, man, what was that? I mean, whoa, you were with me last night. I said, I need a rescue I like, what's going to happen today. And I said, I just give, Lord, give me a sign. And so I went into my publishing company here. I'm trying to write songs about Jesus and doing drugs. Didn't quite measure up. But, <laughs> and, uh, but I went in and my publisher said, hey, can, can you step into my office? I, I want to ask you a question. He said, there's this group called Higher Ground, this gospel group, and they're looking for a piano player. And I said, I'll take the job. And I said, well, you don't want to meet him? No, I'll take the job. Wow. And to me, it was like, <laughs> and, and I took the job and i never met him. I said, I want the job. And those guys mentored me back to spiritual health
0: wow. for, like, for the
2: next eight months. And that was, that was a God thing. Hmm. So, and then right after that's when I met Amy.
0: Oh my goodness. I will never tire hearing about the rescue of God because that is the resurrection, right? Like that is the embodiment of the gospel in such a literal way, a literal way for you that you can't, you know. I had a moment similar to that a decade ago coming out of panic disorder in our time in New York. And I just remember saying, rescue. That was my word for the year because God pulled me out of the pit. And I said, it was the first time I ever really. Knew the rescue of God and the thirty years I'd called myself a Christian. It's amazing how that will just change your delight in the Lord. Like you're just like yeah. I can't. You've given me a story now I can't shut up about kind of thing. Yeah. And how did that? Yeah. How did that propel then the writing? Did the, the did the writing come more quickly after that, or it was just kind of an overflow? Or what did that look like?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Everything changed. You know, it just you know you felt like the wind was at your back and there was a purpose for living and you are hitting in your sweet spot and you're surrounding yourself with great talent too. So you're just, you know, iron sharpens iron and Amy's a great writer. And all of a sudden you, you land up on a couple of these things and go, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good song. You know, you're getting excited. <laughs> and, and then you write more and then you write more and then all of a sudden you're in front of thousands of people singing. I mean, it's like, it's just crazy. Yeah. You can't orchestrate that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. This God stuff. And he's still doing it. Yeah. After all these years, still doing it.
1: How has your songwriting evolved now, you know, once you became a father and even a grandfather now? Because you're still writing. How has perspective changed for you, and, and how does that show up?
2: Yeah, it's, it's changed dramatically. I mean, a good way. You know, I've written so many songs for my kids, uh, which has been awesome. That's not hard to do. And then I think probably the big thing is you, as you get wiser and get more mature in your faith, you write songs for the right reasons. You don't like, it's just not about getting an award, you know, None of that stuff really means anything. And so you write, I find myself just writing out of much more honesty and things that move me, not trying to write a song for radio, um, probably just a bit, just a more of a pure heart.
0: Yeah. I have a question and, about that too. Go yep. ahead.
1: All right, I'm going to go. first. We have so many questions. I'm going to go first. Tell? <laughs> but you know, when you when you started writing and performing more worship music, I mean, that feels like there was a moment where there was a shift from you know writing songs that you were performing as an artist that were more pop songs and and that sort of thing to to then leading entire worship moves. I remember our mutual friend Darren Whitehead being part of Let one of rain. the like early on, the "Let It Rain." Oh, and my that, that whole album was just yeah. beautiful. But like. What happened to where you decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go that direction with my talent and my time and what I'm recording? Yeah,
2: well, you know what? I've been a worship leader for 19 years before I ever did that record, mm. so it wasn't anything new to me. It was new making a record like that. It was inspired by a big gospel like they used to have GMA event every year in Nashville in the spring, and you know, all these people come from all around the world. And long story short, I just me and a bunch of other people felt like we've lost our way. This, is, is it, this all looks like it's about, about the egos and who's got number one song. And so I was asked if I would lead a worship service at the Ramen Auditorium and start the week off, just kind of lay the groundwork, change the atmosphere.
0: Hmm.
2: And we did that night at, at the Ramen, and it was off the chart. Top five. It's a top five for me. Wow. And, and then I woke up three, the next three weeks later, I woke up midnight and I heard for such a time as this. Mm. Wow. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. Three weeks later, for such a time as this, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. This is God speaking to me. I'm telling God no. <laughs> and the third time, the voice got really, really, really loud and said, for such a time as this. I said, all right, I'll go do it. So I took a bunch of people to Florida. We recorded worship, And that record came out on 9-11. Oh, oh my it's
0: goodness. It's the
2: 20-year anniversary. No way. And Stop. We were actually reimagining that record this July 12th at Allen Arena. We're cutting that record again. Stop. Oh, with my no goodness. rhythm
0: section, but with a full
2: sixty-five piece symphony. Oh, oh wow! Wow. Okay. Where is the Allen I'm, Arena? I'm
1: glad I asked. Which uh, city, David is David Lipscomb?
0: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. right here. I knew that.
1: We got to be we there. Got to get y'all. Gotta get y'all we there. are
0: there. We are there.
1: <laughs> Sounds amazing. Wow.
0: Okay, because this kind of dovetails into my question. It's obviously the Lord exalts those who are humble in state, and I'm just curious, like what the, what were even the guardrails or the ground rules you put in your own life to to keep a heart that's pure or to keep the heart? Th- because once the success comes, it's all the harder. <laughs> and so what yeah. were some ground rules you laid for yourself before the Lord that said, this well, is what I'm not going to do?
2: I always surround myself with great people. You know, when the pop thing happened. You know, I had all the women and all that trying to, you know, all that crazy temptation stuff. I, I took I took, a, I took a lot of people with me on the road. I continued to be mentioned by my pastor, Don Vento, kind of thing when it comes to posture you know what humility's for any, whatever we're doing humility's key
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's just key it's the it's almost like it's almost the number one priority is is humility you know god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and believe me i would rather humble myself than have him do it and mm-hmm. i've had a few times where he's had to do it and it's mm-hmm. not yeah. fun mm-hmm. yeah so absolutely. i think if you're humble i think god can do anything through you and and people are attracted to that. They go, God, look at that. You know, we believe I haven't always done it right, but they go, Ugh. And I just, and I, I think the humility has brought much opportunity my way. I mean, yeah, you're you know, again, I, yeah. I have to wake up every day and die myself. We all do, you know, so. Yeah, and what
0: does what practicing humility look like in your everyday life? Just for some people, because I do think there are some people who go, I want to be humble, but I'm always tempted to kind of build my kingdom.
2: Yeah. And nah, so, just quit quit thinking about yourself.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't
2: do something for somebody else. be be kind. I will talk about that in the book. My dad was so kind. He's kind to everybody. Be be kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in a conversation, don't talk about you. Talk about the other person. You know, just just little ways of just spreading the love, you know, mm-hmm. and just and it's not about you. And again, I get in these rooms and everybody wants to talk about me. Oh well. We, but I always try to like I always try to well tell me about your what tell me your story, you know. Th- just little things like it. Just be l- little the small things that can mm-hmm. that m- really make a difference. So
1: well in, in closing, I want you to share this story that's pretty cool where you talk about, you know, your dad in his later years dancing in the aisles to your music. Just describe that for us. Uh, There's so
2: many great stories in this book. And, but that's one of them. I mean, I'm on stage and I think it was this one particular one I was with Amy and we were on this big number and, and all these kids dancing and there's my dad <laughs> dancing the old sky out there is like i'm going oh my gosh my dad and, and i found out you know my dad has told all those kids who I, who he was and who i was <laughs> that's my boy up there you know <laughs> but to watch him dance with those kids was and seeing him mouth every word he knew every word every song i ever did wow so that's my cool. dad was for me my whole life and the reason i wrote the book yeah was to Tell the world who my dad was, but my dad showed me what God was like. Wow. And I think I think God is kind. I think He's for us. I think He not only loves us, but He's actually extremely fond of us and He really likes us. And that was my dad. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, it's a beautiful tribute. Thank you for writing You're it. Welcome. And and thank you for spending time with us and everybody listening. I think, I think everybody listening's got to be just so encouraged at some of these lessons we can all take away around humility presence with our kids, setting up some of these boundaries that mm-hmm. y- your wife and you were setting out to do to just make sure you were going to be able to be that solid presence. And it's always fun to talk to a grandfather who's lived a little bit of life when you're getting some parenting advice. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Well,
2: thank you. Th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to see you all.
1: Oh, yeah, yes, you too. absolutely. All
2: right.
0: Thank you for being on.
2: All right. Talk to you all soon.
1: This summer series is brought to you by Awana, and Rebecca and I both have loved Awana ever since we were children. We grew up in this program where we were learning Scripture. The Bible was always a high priority in our life, and we did that from the earliest of ages. And today, it might look a little different for you about how do you incorporate Scripture? How do you incorporate these big conversations about the way in which your children ought to operate in the world. And so simply knowing where to start with at-home child discipleship can be the biggest hurdle, and we know that. And so Iwana has created this incredible program called Bright Families. Bright Families, B-R-I-T-E. Bright Families, you know exactly where to begin to help your kids know God and His Word. Each week you get to explore a Bible story, discuss it with questions to help strengthen your kids' faith, and apply practical activities to practice what you've learned. Bright equips you to help your kids navigate a changing culture, shape their identity in Jesus, and impact the future of the church. And when you go to their website, there's a free trial. There's a way you can experience what Bright looks like. But for those of you who are looking this summer and saying, I want to incorporate a rhythm where I bring my family together and we have a significant conversation about Scripture and how it relates to our life and to our world, Bright Curriculum is going to be the way that you can do that. They're going to partner with you and help you do that. So start today with your free sample of Bright by going to brightcurriculum.com families. That's brightcurriculum, B-R-I-T-E, curriculum.com slash families.
0: Okay, so we're done with the conversation with Michael Smith, but we now are talking about the fact that we are, have been planning for about a decade singing the duet that he did with Amy Grant.
1: That's right. Um, and we couldn't bring it up. On our 25th anniversary. I feel anniversary. like I was too embarrassed to bring no, it up. No, no,
0: no. No, no, no. We could not tell him um, in person, but we've been really working on that Um Somewhere. Let it lead you. What it's what is the somewhere, song? Somewhere far beyond today, I yeah. will find a way. We're not going to sing it for you guys. But we've
1: been working on it for what we we're imagining our 25th wedding anniversary. Yes, which is next year. Doing renewing our vows and that we're just going to break. It. It's <laughs> kind of a secret, but now we're telling everybody. No, I know. We were going to break out with this song. We really
0: were. It was kind of. We've been practicing. It's for been years. inspired by the karaoke machine that we had in our living room. Our for, kids love it. They yeah. laugh
1: and yes. You know, most people have never heard me sing.
0: You're Little really good. Little known fact, Rebecca, you did really sing good. at one of our coffee houses best at liberty. friends,
1: no, and our best friend's wedding.
0: Yes, I sang How Beautiful. It's like a wedding song that was sung in all the weddings, like circa 1996, seven. And this is the worst, but in the middle of the song, I started crying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you have to hit some high notes in that song.
0: So don't sing in someone's wedding if you're going to be emotional while they're walking down the yeah. aisle. That's the worst.
1: But you're so emotionally healthy. I think it <laughs> I just, just showed was like, everybody. That I was like, "You were how very present, the
0: radiant bride." And the minute I said "radiant bride," I was like, oh.
1: "Start oh, cracking." <laughs> okay, so we're so off course right now, but we just thought you guys would appreciate that. Yeah, I was just Talked extra. about Amy Grant so much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you and me. So, we'll I know see. we're
0: we're just like them in the um, way we do our duets. Exactly.
1: Anyway, this Father's Day week, such an encouraging read, The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God, and if you look at this book, you'll see just chapter after chapter where Michael tells so many stories of how his father really encouraged him in all kinds of different ways, talks about the Father's heart, about the Father's grace, the Father's invitation, the Father's rescue. So several chapters that just tell these stories about how his Father represented Christ to him, and that's ultimately what we as fathers want to be for our children. We want to be that image of God to them so that they can experience a healthy relationship with a Father as they go into life and they experience this with their Father. So thank you for listening in with us today, and I would Encourage you as you continue to think about the fall. We just released our fall retreats. We have three different retreats taking place, and registration is now open. You can learn more about that at rebeccalions.com/slash retreat.
0: Yep, that's it.
1: And so go check those out because I'll be wearing my cowboy hat. Oh, you will. At the Lost Valley one, for which sure. is October 23rd to 26th for couples. But we also have the life planning retreat with Pete Richardson, September thirtieth and October first. And then we're back with Kurt Thompson in Franklin, November eighteen and nineteen this we're fall. So having our emotional health retreat. So check check all those out. Last year these all sold out. So make sure you go in there now, make plans with your spouse or a best friend and come join us and be a part of spending time with other people who are trying to live out these rhythms in their everyday life. Be encouraged and inspired and we'll hope to see you there.